Welcome to Red Pill Revolution. My name is Austin Adams. Red Pill Revolution started out with me realizing everything that I knew, everything that I believed, everything I interpret about my life is through the lens of the information I was spoon-fed as a child. Religion, politics, history, conspiracies, Hollywood, medicine, money, food, all of it. Everything we know was tactfully written to influence your decisions and your view on reality by those in power. Now, I'm on a mission. A mission to retrain and re-educate myself to find the true reality of what is behind that curtain and I'm taking your ass with me. Welcome to the revolution. Hello and welcome to Red Pill Revolution. My name is Austin Adams. Thank you so much for joining me. This is episode number 22 of Red Pill Revolution, and we have a lot to go over this week with everything that's happened in the United States. Now, um, a part of that's going to be discussing a part of the U.S. Army terminating its plans for a standardized physical fitness test. I don't know why in the world that would be, so we're going to talk about that. We're also going to discuss the hilarity that was Joe Biden going over to basically Poland to discuss with United States troops uh, and made some mentions about how they're actually should kind of expect to be going over to Ukraine, which... Then they had to refute and pull back on. Um, and we're also going to discuss uh, the Kenji Brown uh, Supreme Court nomination and the conversations and explosions of uh, arguments that happen surrounding critical race theory, surrounding uh, transgenders in sports, surrounding uh, pedophilia and her decisions on those decisions, um, and so many other things. So make sure you stick around for all of that. But the first thing that we're going to discuss today is going to be the U.S. Army terminating its plans for standardized physical fitness tests. Now, this article, which was written by Rebel News, is stating that the decision follows a RAND-led study that found men could easily pass the new Army combat fitness test in comparison to women and older soldiers who were failing at noticeably higher rates. Hmm. <laughs> I wonder why that is. Right? Now, uh, I find this to be quite interesting because, you know, the Army is one of the elite fighting forces of the world under the most elite uh, fighting country in the world, or at least most militarily capable country on paper and previously and other types of situations. Widely accepted. I mean, we all we all know this, guys. There's, there's real no argument there. Or at least up until this point, if they're going to completely rid themselves of standardized physical fitness tests. Now, I was in the military. And the funny thing to know about this stuff is that even if you failed the PT test, you got like three months or like even longer sometimes. Like if you were a real fat piece of garbage and you saw people like that in the military, you know, and this was Geez, uh, seven years, eight, seven years ago. I don't know. A while ago, I was in the military. Um, if you failed the physical fitness test, you went back and you took it again. You had time, you know, shed some of that weight off, you know, because most of us would just go run when we had our PT test because we were physically able to, just like this article leads to the fact that, well, men are passing the standardized physical fitness tests. 
And older people and women tend to not be, statistically speaking, comparatively as much. <laughs> okay, yeah. What about this article did we not expect? I mean, that's kind of the point of a standardized physical fitness test. If you, whether you're old, whether you're young, whether you're blue or purple or man or woman or Z, Zem, Zuri, Zoro, who cares what you call yourself? You should still have to pass a physical fitness test to be a part of the military because it's not just about you and it's not just about your feelings. It is about saving the man next to you from being killed in action. Now, if the U.S. Army rids themselves completely of standardized physical fitness tests and they're running through an urban combat situation, an old tubby, old and tubby, old tubby <laughs> can't keep up with you. And now you got to go backwards to help your buddy out because you don't want him to die. And then you get shot at and killed because, you know, you didn't have a standardized physical fitness test. And this guy had didn't, never had the damn run in his whole life because they want to pad everything in the military now. Right now, it's, it's hilarious to me that this comes on the back of mandatory vaccinations in the military. Mandatory, right? You, you literally can't even be in right now if you refuse it, right? Heard tons and tons of stories about this. So, they want to say it's about health. If it's about health, maybe you should be making sure that the people that are in your military are physically fit, right? Maybe you should be making sure, especially if you're in the army and in the combat, uh, you know, situation that you can run a freaking mile and a half under for, for women when I was in, it was 13 minutes for men. So we had differentiations at that point, which is still doesn't make sense. Um, it was like eight and a half minutes, nine minutes to run a mile, 13 minutes to run a mile. If you were a woman, now, obviously, this is a standardized physical fitness test, so a little bit different when it came to the, the army, but the, the fact remains the same, that if you cannot pass the situation, if you cannot pass a standardized physical fitness test, if you cannot run a mile and a half, maybe you shouldn't be in a combat situation where somebody else's life is on the line and is completely reliant on your physical and athletic abilities. How crazy of a thought. But no, we got to let the old people and, and the women who don't want to keep up to the physical standards of those who are actually should be in the military to have to meet those standards, right? And there's far many women who I met in the military who could run their asses off and do push-ups and are very, very physically capable. So maybe we should just have the women who can keep up in a combat situation in the military, right? And that goes for everybody because even if you're a, I don't know, if you work in the chow hall, you still have the opportunity at some point where they're going to ring that bell and call you into military combat. And Lord knows you should be able to run a mile and a half if that becomes the case. So this article keeps going on. Sorry for that rant. This article goes on to say the U.S. Army has terminated plans for a standardized physical fitness test for all soldiers. Following a three-year review, women and older soldiers will only have to pass a physical fitness test with reduced standards, the military branch announced Wednesday. As detailed by The Hill, the decision follows a Rand-led study that found men could easily pass the new Army combat fitness test in comparison to women and older soldiers who were failing at a noticeably higher rate. Indeed, the new standardized test developed for both men and women was easier for men to pass and harder for women. The test, which was made up of six events, was developed in 2019 and was an expansion from the three events. Push-ups, sit-ups, and a run. 
that soldiers were previously subject to, which is what I did. This test is an essential part of maintaining the readiness of the army as we transform into the army of 2030. What does that even mean? Said Army Secretary Christine Warmoth. The revisions of this ACFT are based on data and analysis, including an independent assessment required by Congress. We will continue to assess our implementation of the test to ensure it is fair and achieves our goal of strengthening the Army's fitness culture. We'll make sure it is fair and achieves the goal of strengthening the Army's fitness culture. What does that even mean? Either you have to pass a test or you don't. The Hill reported the Army first changes fitness tests to include deadlifts, power throws, push-ups, planks, and a run in a sprint-drag carry event, as well as a leg tuck that was eventually eliminated. Service leaders hoped the newer test, the first such change in more than 40 years, would develop or would better replicate tasks needed for combat while reducing the risk of injuries. But the new fitness curriculum was quickly criticized after it became clear women, older males, and National Guard and Reserve troops had difficulty passing it. I like how they say National Guard and Reserve troops. Like, okay, even the men there were having troubles with this. Like, yeah, because they weren't working out when they were supposed to. About 44% of women failed the test from October 2020 to April of 2021, compared to 7% of men. ACFT scores collected during the diagnostic period show some groups failing at a noticeably higher rate. The biggest impacts were observed for women, but we also see differences in pass rates across components with the U.S. Army Reserve and the Army National Guard lagging behind the regular Army and across military occupational specialties. Obviously, if women don't feel that they can pass the test necessary for them to earn promotions, they aren't going to stick around for the job for very long. The new plan will be run on a trial basis with active duty soldiers to begin taking the test in April. However, they will not be penalized if they fail. If all goes to plan, the test will be officially implemented in October. All right. That is really interesting. (laughs) So now you don't have to rely on the person next to you. And even if they're... You know, it doesn't have to be a woman that you're not relying on. It could also be a National Guard individual that you don't have to rely on now because, you know, they didn't even have to pass a physical fitness test the same as you. Makes no damn sense at all. Ridiculous. Makes no sense. And it's concerning if you're in the Army and you actually get called into combat. I don't know. Who am I? Just a guy. Just a guy. (laughs) All right. So the next thing that we're going to watch here is going to be Biden goes over to Poland to increase troop morale in front of God knows what's going to happen. And he'll tell us here in a minute. Um, He'll actually tell these troops. But the first thing we're going to watch is him sitting in the dining facility in the chow hall or the defac, depending on which part of the military you're in. In this case, I would assume it would be the chow hall. Um, But here we go. It is going to be a video of him seemingly sitting around these people. And I'll I'll just kind of talk you through it as I show it. And here we go. So you see Biden basically sitting there uh, about to eat a piece of pizza. Now, he seems to have burned himself. So he reaches across the table and grabs seemingly another soldier's drink and says, thank you. (laughs) So he takes their drink and begins to eat their pizza without them eating it. By the way, none of these men are eating behind them. None of these soldiers are eating, Um, which is usually kind of uh, the standard here. The standard is that the highest ranking officer which so happens to be the commander-in-chief of the military at this point, (laughs) generally eats after the individuals who are beneath him in the hierarchy. Okay, so he burns himself. And as as you're seeing this, there's probably five or six men 
soldiers that you can see behind him who are looking at him seemingly in disbelief over the way that he's acting and laughing at him, making kind of uh, ridiculous looking faces at the fact that it looks like it's literally take your grandpa to work day here at the army. <laughs> like This man looks like he belongs nowhere. It, looks, it literally looks to me like it's take your grandpa to work day. All these soldiers are sitting around laughing at Joe Biden while he completely goes against most military norms and then burns himself like the uh, old and able man that he is and then steals a soldier's drink to stop it and then thanks them. All right. <laughs> so if you haven't seen this video yet, um, go ahead and check it out. Uh, I'll, uh, I'll have it within the Substack this week, which I should go ahead and talk about. Uh, you should join the Substack. We go ahead and do a podcast companion every single week, right? Redpillrevolution.substack.com redpillrevolution.substack.com and you can follow along. It includes all of the articles, all of the videos, all of the documents, um, all of the fun stuff from this week's episode. All right, so go ahead right now, redpillrevolution.substack.com. If you're driving, maybe don't do that, but wait until you get home because I know you're so excited to do it. Redpillrevolution.substack.com. All right, now you'll see this video in there. All right, it'll be right there for you. And if you're watching, that means you're on the Patreon. That means that you paid the $5 a month at least to get the video episode, which also includes our Discord server, where we can talk about all these things in real time as they happen, recent, current events, old events, all the episode stuff on the sub, or not on the sub stack, on the Patreon, patreon.com slash redpillrevolt. All right, $5 for that first tier, $15 for the second tier, which will include a live episode every single week as we start to get some people onto that tier. All right, looking forward to it. Anyways, let's go ahead and move on. The next thing here is going to be Joe Biden's actual speech to these soldiers. So he stands in front of the army and the other soldiers that are here. I'm assuming it's probably a mix. It's probably not just army, um, but he stands in front of them and gives a speech. And one thing that you should probably point out now the, the the title of this says Joe Biden visits U.S. troops in Poland close to the Ukrainian border. And this was posted by France 24 English, which is a news source which is seemingly the only news source that had this video on it, <laughs> interestingly enough. Um, so let's go ahead and watch this video. We'll see what he has to say. Now, the key thing that I want you to listen for, and I haven't watched this whole thing yet. I'm, I'm interested to see it. Um, but the key thing I want you to listen for is the part where he says specifically that, A, he's been to Ukraine a ton, which we know. <laughs> the big guy has been to Ukraine more than most people. Uh, that's where he allegedly launders his money. <laughs> allegedly. <laughs> um, but uh, who's to say if that's true? Um, maybe Hunter Biden's laptop, but you know, I digress. Uh, but the next thing that he talks about is how the fact that they will soon find out about Ukraine and the people that are there and the, the how the videos of the families crying are true because you will soon be in Ukraine. So listen out for that part too. And then we'll see what else he has to say or basically babbles his way through this silly speech. Um, and if we hit it and at any point it begins to slow down, We'll end it because we don't want to listen to this man for eight full minutes. I know you don't, and I know I don't, but I'll jump in here or there and we'll talk about it. So here we go. On the border with Ukraine, let's take a listen. Me owes you and owes you big, number one. Number two, you know, uh, we're a unique country in many ways, and we're the only country the only country in the world not based, organized based on geography or ethnicity or religion or race or anything else. We're based on an idea. Literally, the only country in the world 
based on an idea that we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all women and men are created equal, endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights. Sounds corny, but it's the truth of who we are. Sounds corny. That's literally what this man just said about the fact that we should all be created equal. It sounds corny. That's his reflection on on that portion of the the fundamental documents that create our entire belief system that he's talking about and bragging about here is that it sounds corny. Hmm. Interesting to know. I mean, we probably already knew that he didn't have much belief in these founding documents, but just to hear him say it in front of a bunch of soldiers that are founding documents sound corny is, I don't know, probably not a good start to a speech. Maybe that's just my opinion. We've never lived up to it, but we've never walked away from it. And the rest of the world looks to us because, you know, we not only lead by the example of our power, but by the power of our example. And your generation combines both. The rest of the world looks at you and sees who you are. They see you are a multi-ethnic group of Americans that are, in fact, together and united in one resolve to defend your country and to help those who need help. That's why you're here. I spent a lot of time in Ukraine when I was a senator and vice president. I've spoken to the Rada in the days when they, in fact, uh, didn't have what you'd call a democracy and was there in the Madan when the former leader had to take off and head into Russia. And uh, so, you know, with the Ukrainian people, Ukrainian people have a lot of backbone. They have a lot of guts, and I'm sure you're observing it. And I don't mean just the military, which is we've been trained in since back when they uh, Russia moved into uh, in, in the southeast southeast um, Ukraine, but also the average citizen. Look at how they're stepping up. Look at how they're stepping up. And you're going to see when you're there, and sometimes you've been there, you're going to see, you're going to see women, young people standing, standing in the middle of front of a damn tank, just saying, I'm not leaving. I'm holding my ground. They're incredible. But they take a lot of inspiration from us. And you know, a woman who just died, the Secretary of State, used to have an expression. She said, we are the essential nation. It sounds like a bit of a hyperbole, but the truth. So we heard him just say there, oh, the Ukrainian people are so tough. And not just the military, the people, the women standing in front of the damn tank. <laughs> I so then he goes on to say that you will see it when you are there. When you are there, you will see it. And now he shows his hand. Now he shows his hand. And you see, you would maybe see some of the expressions if half these soldiers weren't covering their face with masks in the background to virtue signal on behalf of this administration. However, he just said what the next move is. He just said, you will see it when you are over there. Why? Under all the times that we've said we are not going to send troops, that is not what the United States is intending on doing. We are not going to involve ourselves in this fight on the ground. Is he now telling soldiers in Poland on the border of Ukraine, that you will see it when you are there. You will witness these things. They're harder to harder in front of the damn tank. <laughs> but he just said it. They're, go they're going to, according to the president of the United States, just said that they're going to send troops into Ukraine. 
Now, later, from my understanding of reading, and I haven't double, triple, quadruple checked on this, um, but from what I saw and other people speaking about this online was that they later had to retract these statements because it would be quite concerning if you were, I don't know, Vladimir Putin, if you were hearing the president of the United States speaking to his military miles from the border of Ukraine in Poland and telling them that they will see how the Ukrainian people's strength during the time that they are stationed or deployed, which would what that would be in Ukraine. He just said it. But now they had to back off that statement because what is that? What is that word? Oh, yeah. We've heard it a few times now. World War Three is what that would mean. And our president just blubbered his way through the fact that he believes he's going to send our troops. The commander-in-chief of the military just said he was going to send directly to their faces these men and women to the front lines of Ukraine so they can witness the strength of the horror in front of the tank. Unbelievable. So, let's see if we can pull anything out of these next two minutes. And if we just begin stumbling and rumbling, we'll end this listen into this babbling old man. Here we go. The truth of the matter is, you are the organizing principle around which the rest of the world is, the free world is moving. We're in the midst of, and I don't want to sound too philosophic here, but you're in the midst of a fight between democracies and, 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 and oligarchs. Xi Jinping, who I've spent more time with, they tell me, than any other world leader, points out to me he believes in China that democracies can't succeed in the 21st century. The reason is things are moving so fast, change is happening so quickly, that democracies require consensus. And we can't put together consensus as quickly as autocrats can. So what's at stake, not just in what we're doing here in Ukraine to try to help the Ukrainian people and keep the massacre from continuing, but beyond that, what's at stake is what, the, what, what's, what are your kids and grandkids going to look like in terms of their, their, their freedom? What's happening? The last 10 years have been fewer democracies have been formed than we've lost in the world. So this is a, what you're engaged in is much more than just whether or not you can alleviate the pain and suffering of the people of Ukraine. We're in a new phase. Your generation, we're in an inflection point. About every four or five generations that comes along and changes, fundamental change takes place. The world ain't going to be the same, not because of Ukraine, but I'm not going to be the same 10, 15 years from now in terms of our organizational structures. And the question is, who's going to prevail? Are democracies going to prevail and the, and the values we share? Or autocracy is going to prevail? And that's really what's at stake. So what you're doing is consequential, really consequential. And as I said uh, to a group in the dining room, you all in the child mess hall, the fact of the matter is that you are the finest, this is not hyperbole, you are the finest fighting force in the history of the world. Let me say it again. The finest fighting force in the history of the world. Part of the reason is you've had to fight so much for the last 20 years. It's for real. There are not many generations, you know, the greatest generation was my father's generation, your grandfather's generation. All right, the first thing I'd like to point out is that the President of the United States has his dress shirt unbuttoned 
like he's in Miami Vice. Top button isn't button. Not expected when you're not wearing a tie. Understood. Second to top button. All right, I'll give you that. All right, show a little chest hair, Joe. Go ahead. Have at it. But to be... To not have the third button of your dress shirt buttoned? <laughs> Did this man roll up with a gold chain? Like, what in the world? He literally has three buttons on his dress shirt unbuttoned. Like, he's been laying out in the sun next to a pool in, in Poland. <laughs> now, the next thing I'd like to point out is the man says... I don't want to sound too philosophical here. And then goes on to say that we're in a in a fight for de- demo- democracy and you you all Joe, I don't think you're in any danger of ever in your entire life in any sentence you could ever complete fully on your own being philosophical. <laughs> I don't think you were in any danger of that at all. Now, the next thing he says is, you are the greatest fighting force in the history of man ever. The greatest fighting force ever. But you don't have standardized fitness tests? You mean the oldies and the guard and the the women all get different standards of fitness tests, and that's how you create the best fighting force in the history of man? I don't know, Joe. I don't know. Let's give it a couple more minutes. We got four minutes left. Let's see if we can make our way through the entirety of this because I believe there's got to be some stuff in here that nobody's picking up because this is this full video is nowhere but this French news station. All right, so let's go ahead and clue in on these next couple minutes and then we'll move on. World War II generation. But nobody, no other generation has had to be in a battle have your buddy blown up, wipe the blood off the Humvee and get back in and saddle up and go for another six months. Second time I flew in, I've been in and out of Iraq and Afghanistan about uh, 40 times, 30 some times, 38 times. And every time I'd go in, I'd see, like the last time I flew in, and I flew in on, I'm up in the cockpit when I was landing in Bagram. And I, there were six people came up with a cargo, basically, while I was flying. And I said, how many of you is your first tour of duty? Not one person raised their hand. Second tour, not one person. Third tour of duty, three. Fourth, one. Fifth one and sixth one. That's never happened before. One thing to go in and be in the middle of a battle, go home and get sent back again. And so one of the things I've said, and I've gotten in trouble for saying, but not anymore, I've been saying it from the, since I've got elected, we have a sacred obligation. Only one obligation is government. We have a lot of obligations to, to the elderly, the poor, the children, etc. Only one sacred obligation, to equip those that we send to war and to care for them and their families when they come home. And so you all are an amazing group of women and men. And I just want to thank you for your service. As your commander-in-chief, I mean it from the bottom of my heart. As I said, it's not new to me. I, uh, my son spent a year in Iraq. He spent six months in Kosovo. 
won the Bronze Star, the Conspicuous Service Medal, and other awards. Proudest thing he ever did was put that uniform on. Like many of you, he didn't have to go either. He was the Attorney General of the State of Delaware and the Delaware National Guard. And what happened was, when his unit was going to be sent overseas, he had to go to Washington to get a, a, an equivalent of a dispensation, because you either had to be federal property or state property. He was the Attorney General of the State. Had to give up the office in order to be able to go with his troops. The point is, but there were hundreds and thousands of people like my son. Now, at the bottom of this uh, little news bulletin here, it says a quote from Joe Biden during the speech, which you heard. He said, "You are in a fight for democracy." Who, Joe? Who is fighting for democracy? Who, who, is, who is fighting here? What, that's a very specific word. If you're going to use the word fight, and you're especially going to use that to the people in the military, and they're going to talk about their quote-unquote buddy getting blown up, wiping his blood off the Humvee, and then getting in and saddling up for it. Like, if there truly was people in the audience like that, and you're speaking on that in that terms, and they've been through a situation like that, they probably don't want to hear about that. Like, they don't probably want to have to relive that situation where they're just softly throwing out there by their commander-in-chief that your buddy was blown up and then you wiped his blood off the Humvee. Like, probably not what you want to hear if you're a legitimate combat veteran who's been in a situation like that from your commander-in-chief, especially while you're sitting on the border of a, a literal potential world war scenario and he's telling you you're going over there and then tells you you're in a fight for democracy. And that's what the commander-in-chief just said directly to the individuals in the military on the border of Ukraine. Now, I don't see us pulling very much out of this next, I don't know, minute or so. So, let's go ahead and move on. Now, if you'd like to finish out that minute, get on the Substack. whole video will be there for you. All right. Now, the next thing we're going to listen to, and we're going to jump a little bit into this situation here, um, but actually, we'll jump into... What is it? Katanji Brown Jackson, uh, the Supreme Court Justice nominee. I believe she's actually been sworn in at this point. However, before we do that, let's touch on this Ukrainian situation. Now, this was a uh, tweet by Adam uh, Townsend at Adam Scramble on Twitter. It says the United Nations adopted a Russia initiated resolution combating glorification of Nazism neo-Nazism, and other practices that contributed to fueling contemporary forms of racism, racial discrimination, xenophobia, and related intolerance. Now, this was in December of 2021. The entire UN voted on an anti-Nazi resolution, and only two states objected to this anti-Nazi resolution. I want you, in your head, right now, to just take a guess at who those two nations were. One starts with a U and ends with a crane. <laughs> and then the other one starts with a U and ends with a United States of America. Two countries voted against this anti-Nazi Russia-initiated resolution December of 2021, which was initiated by Russia for combating Nazism. 
and was only voted against by two countries, one of them being the United States and one of them being Ukraine. Now, I want you in your head to try to find me a justification for either of those countries in a list of over a hundred and, I don't know, looks like, I don't want to, you know, it's probably over 120 countries on this list here. And there's only two red X's and it's next to Ukraine and the United States. That's concerning. All right. Now, I don't know what exactly to make of that. I don't know what you should do with that information, but I want you to keep it in the back of your mind while you're watching this war go down. All right. Now, the next thing I'm going to tell you to do is something that I've skipped over the beginning of this episode, (laughs) which was that you should hit that subscribe button. Hit that subscribe button right now, very quickly for me, if you haven't done it before, if this is your first episode. I appreciate you so much. And if it's not your first episode and you haven't subscribed yet, what the hell are you doing? Just click that button. Super, super easy. A little tippity tap of your finger and you make my day. Make my evening. And I thank you so much because I know you just did it. You just did it. And if you didn't do it, I'll give you two seconds. Ready? Go. Awesome. You did it. Thank you so much. Now, the next thing I need to do is hit that five-star review button. All right, hit that five stars. Tell me why you love the show. I appreciate it so much. And if there's anything at all that I can do to improve it for you, go ahead and send me a message at Red Pill Revolt. All right, on Instagram. And then the next thing we're going to talk about is just head over to the Patreon right now, patreon.com slash Red Pill Revolt. And go ahead and subscribe. $5 gets you access to not only the video episode, so you don't have to go back and forth between the episode itself and the podcast companion. And it also gets you access to our Discord, where we'll be discussing all of these things at length the very same week that you watch it. Or if you go back and watch the first episode, Assassinations, Cover-Ups, and The Cult of Science, then we can talk about that. Or if you watch the second episode, Secret Societies and the Founding of a Nation, we can talk about those things because that shit's crazy too. All right, go ahead, join the Patreon right now. And if you don't need any of that, go ahead and do it because you want to support me. You want to support the show. You want to see me continue doing my work here. I would appreciate it so much. And if you just want to make a donation, givesengo.com slash redpillrevolution givesengo.com slash revolution. Go ahead and do it right now. I would appreciate it so much. Hope to be getting some new things for the show to make it better for you, better microphone, um, better lighting, uh, all of it. So thank you guys for considering that. I appreciate it so much. And if you can't do either of those, that is all right too. I love spreading the truth. I love talking about these things and I love connecting with you guys. So thank you so much for listening. Let's go ahead and move on. Still ad-free, got nothing else to tell you. But support me. I appreciate you. I love you. Thank you guys so much for making this all happen. We are now number three, top 3,000 podcasts in the world. Top 2,300 in the United States. And we're five months deep. Crazy, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Literally, it, it means the world to me that you guys, you know, kind of resonate with the talk, things that I'm talking about. I could shed a tear for you right now. I could. I promise. I could. I could do it. But I won't because I'm a man. <laughs> all right so thank you so much i appreciate it beyond beyond words I, I literally can't tell you how much i appreciate it um but if you'd like to support the podcast number of those things patreon Substack, uh give send go all right thank you i appreciate you all right now moving on let's go ahead and talk about the craziness that was 
the Katanji Brown Jackson inauguration, where she discussed many, many things, including transgenders in sports, including that she can't say what a woman is. I'm sure you've heard that by now. And including many other things. And we're going to discuss all the craziness that happened. And Ted Cruz is the man. Now, I thought Ted Cruz was such a nerd. This is a side note. I thought he was such a nerd. And I, I thought when he was running against Trump a few years ago, he bothered me. There was just something about his personality. It didn't, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I have no idea. But Ted Cruz, I, gosh, he's just been going after people on the floor of the Senate. Um, crazy, okay? Now, I want you to pay attention to the next few things, because this is the direction that they wanted to go. And, and if you don't just take it, it may not even be the opinion of the individual that they're asking these things about, right? It may not even be her opinion that she doesn't agree with you on what a gender is, but she feels the need to put out this opinion so that she can appease the extremists, right? So that she can appease the far, far, far left and know that, you know, she's on their side, right? So, again, the first thing we're going to talk about is what starts with Kentanji Brown-Jackson asked about transgender women in sports during her confirmation hearing. Let's go ahead and see what they have to say about that. The right of a transgender woman to compete in women's sports. Do you think Congress, uh, the people ought to get to decide that through Congress, or the judge can just find it as an un unenumerated right? a penumbra of the Constitution. Well, Senator, that um, the topic that you raised is something that is, um, as you say, a hot topic today and yeah. could certainly be litigated. Um, so I'm not in a position to, to say more about whether or not um, it's right. actually one of the unenumerated rights. Well, I, I, I don't want to ask you how you'd rule, but would you have any problem saying, okay, if that case that is litigated, saying this is a political question? Whoa, stop. I'm staying in my lane. Congress needs to, to decide this case. The people need to decide that through their elected representatives. Well, Would that be appropriate? Well, respectfully, Senator, that is a decision. In other words, you, you say I'm not asking you to decide it, but um, in every case, the determination about whether or not something is a political question or whether or not the court has or has not jurisdiction is uh, uh, an issue for judges. And so I'm, I'm not able to speak to it. Okay. And you'll see that as a theme a lot. She doesn't seem to want to speak on a lot of things when it comes to this. All right, now she didn't give a straight opinion and obviously she didn't want to for obvious reasons, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, one could only imagine what her real opinion is on those things. And, and, and I think we start to see it when we see how she plays to the far extreme left when you talk about things like gender, um, which we will get into next. Right now, the next thing that she discusses is with Senator Blackburn. All right. And she asks her a question if she could define a woman. That's it. I just want you to tell me what a woman is. All right. So let's go ahead and watch that here. You provide a definition for the word woman. Can I provide a definition? Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. I can't. 
You can't? Not in okay. this context. So I'm you not a biologist. The meaning of the word woman is so unclear and controversial that you can't give me a definition? Senator, in my work as a judge, what I do is I address disputes. If there's a dispute about a definition, people make arguments, and I look at the right. law and I decide. Well, so I'm not. The fact that you can't give me a straight answer about something as fundamental as what a woman is underscores the dangers of the kind of progressive education that we are hearing about. So, can you define what, just tell me, what's a woman? There's a lot of things that you could answer to that. <laughs> like, especially because she so happens to be a woman. <laughs> like, and this didn't mean anything other than just hand gestures, wasn't the, <laughs> anyways. Um, you'd have to watch the video for that one. <laughs> anyways, um, she asked her, can you define what a woman is? And, and, I, and she says, no. I'm not a biologist. I can't define what a woman is. I think there's a lot of different proper answers to that. I don't know. Maybe somebody who was born with a vagina? Maybe that's an answer. Maybe it's somebody with X, Y chromosomes. That maybe if you want to get real scientific about it and not even approach the other fundamental ideas of genitalia or ovaries or uterus or the ability to carry a child from birth like once you hit puberty like there's there's very many easy ways to define what a woman is but no i'm not a biologist this supreme court justice says now what that concer should concern you about is who she's playing to there and that's what senator blackburn alerts alludes to which is the fact that if you won't even answer these things, now we know what the agenda is teaching our children. Like how muddy are the water's going to get, right? Now, if you ask me, excuse me, sir, can you define this? Tell me what this is. And if you don't know, I'm holding up a random stalk of broccoli that I found. Can you define this, sir? Why, no, I am not a farmer. Nor am I, uh, I don't know, what the hell, a farmer. I'm not a farmer. <laughs> I can't, no way I can define what this green leafy structure is in front of me. There's no possible way I could define this. Well, you know what? It's damn broccoli. And I don't need to be a farmer to know that this is broccoli. Okay? Now, if you're wondering why I had a little stalk of broccoli next to my desk, don't. Don't worry about it. It's none of your business, all right? But I'm not a farmer, so I don't even know if it's broccoli, right? It could just be, I don't know, could be anything. For all I know, I'm not a farmer. I'm not a botanist. How the hell would I know what that green leafy structure is? Now, if I was a piece of broccoli and you asked me to define broccoli, that would be even more absurd. And that's what we're literally looking at here. <laughs> this piece of broccoli can't define what broccoli is. She's a woman and she won't even tell you that, well, I know I'm a woman and I know that a woman is a woman based on her biology, which she has even said, like, you have to admit that it comes down to biology, right? She literally said there 
that you would have to be a biologist. And if you're a biologist, the fundamental idea of biology and the understanding of that is not this construct of who you believe you could potentially be not based on your genitals, but your uh, confusion over your own self in that moment, you know, what we used to call up until five years ago, according to the DSM-5 in psychology, gender dysphoria. <gasps> Don't say those words. You can't say gender dysphoria. That's blasphemy. You can't do that, right? We can't define a woman, nor can I define broccoli, right? I would have to be Willy Wonka to define what this bag of candy is. I don't even know that's candy. It just looks like a, a pink fluffy blob of, I don't know, goop, right? What the hell? And this is who we're nominating for one of the most, literally one of the most powerful positions in politics in the world ever. And she can't tell you what a woman is. But you're going to make rulings on all these other important things? How ridiculous and how concerning. Now, Trump himself approached this topic and talked about this Supreme Court justice in this conversation in a rally. I believe it was yesterday. And he said this. Let's go ahead and listen. The left has become so extreme that we now have a justice being nominated to the Supreme Court who testified under oath that she could not say what a woman is. If she can't even say what a woman is, how on earth can she be trusted to say what the Constitution is? And a party that's unwilling to admit that men and women are biologically different, in defiance of all scientific and human history, is a party that should not be anywhere near the levers of power in the United States of America. And that kind of just alludes to what I was talking about. Like, if you can't tell me what a woman is, what the hell can you answer, right? What use are you if you can't tell me a woman has a vagina and a man has a penis? This is literally sixth grade sex education. That was the conversation. There was another. You might be a identifying man that day if you wear flannel and a hat sideways or backwards and you speak with a little bit more bass in your voice because you feel like it when you wake up and then you might wake up the next day and wear a dress and be a little girl again. Like what in the world? And, 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 and here's the thing about this. Like it, it's not about it's not about like equality. It's, and you have to understand the deeper agenda when it comes to this gender conversation. It's about disrupting the, the power of a normal household and destabilizing the identity of every individual that embodies our nation, right? Like there was a book written, I forget the name of the book itself, but it basically talked about how there was a, a group of young women right? There was a certain percentage of women or, or young women, right? Between the ages of, I don't know what the specific ages were, but let's call it, you know, 11 years old to 18 years old. And it was specifically talking about children. And it said that the women who were normally had mental illness in, a, in you know, the previous decade that would show itself as anorexia, bulimia, that would show itself in those ways are now showing itself in a new way, which is transgenderism or whatever uh, these gender pronoun situation is that they have going on. Um, so it's a manifestation of a deeper seated psychological issue. And, and so she showed the data in this. She showed how there was this swing of, of percentages of, of young girls and women who went from 
deciding to have their manifestation of their mental illness from anorexia and bulimia, which was a, you know, the 1990s and 2000s, like Barbie, Britney Spears type of like body style. And then now it's like this manifestation turned into in the same percentage of women who were then anorexic and bulimic is now manifesting itself in this way that is uh, a transgender or this gender dysphoria that's now holds power. Right. Because you have to understand that this like diversity uh, power that you get and you hold when you say that you're not a woman, you're a man for today. And tomorrow you might be a, 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 a kitty cat and the next day you might be a, a squirrel and then you're going to be a girl again when you feel like it. Like this is a this is a deeper psycho psychological identity crisis. This is not a push for equality because these people literally this this situation did not even exist like what, th four or five years ago? It was not cool to pretend to be a man, right? It was not cool to pretend to be a woman. Like, and there was literally a document. There was like, oh my gosh, this is horrible. There was, there was a hospital document that was put out that showed young boys how to tuck, tuck your genitals behind your legs and have it be like that all day so that you could feel more like the little girl that you think you are in your brain. They put out a doc, there's a document, which I will include in the Substack. There's a document that shows this, that literally had diagrams for these young boys about how to tuck their balls and their penis within their legs so they could feel more like the pretty girl that they are wanting to manifest from the inside. Who the f who sat down and wrote out that document and felt good about it? Shouldn't you feel like a weird, like if you ever stumble, like, all right, let's see, let's think 10 years ago, <laughs> let's think 10 years back. If you were at the hospital or let's even say at your house, right? Or your whatever, I don't know, whatever brick and mortar you're at and you open a drawer and all of a sudden you see that Johnny from down the office was writing up an article about how to tuck his balls under his legs so that he could be more like a little pretty girl you'd be concerned you'd be a little concerned <laughs> you would not want to empower johnny while he spread this information to the masses of children intentionally like what 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 is I can't even believe I'm saying these words all together in this. Like, has the English language ever been this ridiculous where all of these words came together in the same sentence? Like, it is crazy to me, guys. Like, and I'm not even, like, I'm not 40 years old. <laughs> like, you know, I'm not this old set in his ways man who's stoic in, in his belief systems. Like, I am very open to change. You want to present me an argument about these things? I'm very happy to do so. And actually, I'd like to talk about this. Um, speaking of arguments on transgenderism, there was a woman in my comment section the other day who commented about the video about Leah Thomas. There's a hair on my phone. Um, and, and, we ha and, and so I saw what she said, and I wanted to reach out to her because I saw she was just about to get eaten alive in the comments. Okay? So I knew that she was just going to get torn apart. So I, I reached out to her and I, you know, I tr generally try to be on both sides of things. I don't want to be one side and I'm generally happy to have a conversation on any of these things. And I, I was quite non-combative for the situation. So I messaged her and I'll read you this conversation. I'm not going to tell you who this is. No reason for that. But I would like to touch on this because I want you to see how ridiculous this conversation gets and how quickly. So I say, hello, happy to have a discussion here away from the mob. 
discussing the people who were kind of going after her for saying some things about this transgender, which I understood. And I understand, you know, that she can have her opinion too. Now she said, I'm okay. I'm used to being attacked in the comment sections. What's up? Hope you are well. I said, same. And likewise, happy to entertain all sides of the debate. She said, I'm sure you are. However, I don't think any of us will see the eye to eye. I'm a spiritual based individual and you appear to be more logical and fact based, which I appreciate or I appropriate and respect. Okay, thank you. And so it started off very cordial. I'm happy to have these conversations and I try to be nice as I can. I don't want to stonewall these conversations. I'm literally open to any discussion on these things. And if you have a side of it that's different than mine, go ahead and tell me. So she said, floor is yours. By all means, please proceed. All right. I said, I guess I have a very hard time reconciling with the idea that a man should be able to compete in women's sports leagues. All the other stuff I could really care less about besides bathrooms, unless fully transitioned. And even in that case, it's still kind of weird, but you know, I'm starting from a very soft place in this conversation to see if I could actually get some dialogue going. I said, men and women are biologically different and mostly when it comes to physical strength, bone density, and everything that matters in actual sports competitions. That's not to say there's not women out there who can beat men in general, but that is to say that at the highest levels of competition, it is unbelievably unfair to allow women or to women to allow this to continue as shown in literally every record comparison in every sport ever. <laughs> like if you ever go look at the record books and you compare the records of men by the records of women in history ever, you're going to see a common theme. <clears throat> and that's generally that. And I have no side to pick on this. It's just the facts, guys. Men with every record basically ever are far beyond the women's records. And that's just due to bio biology, right? And so, that, you know, that's where we started. She said, I agree. <clears throat> wow, interesting. All right, society still has a lot of adjusting to figure out. Maybe there will be a trans league one day. Who knows? Okay, open to that. Go have your little circus show wherever you want. Cool, dude, do it. I, I don't care. All right, I think that's fair. As for sports, I fully see your stance and can agree. What to do about it, I couldn't answer, nor will any answer satisfy everyone. Very true, okay? Really, the only people that need to agree on the solutions are the ones involved, the athletes. She said, if cis women don't feel it's fair to compete with trans women, their voice is what counts. It affects their reality. I agree. Fans and spectators can then choose to, cont to continue to support the sports industry or not, but their opinions on what's acceptable or not does not matter. And as for the bathroom usage, I'd much rather share a bathroom with a trans woman than a cis male any day. Okay. I said, but what stops any creepy man from simply identifying as a woman and being a creep? Question mark. Also, do you think the women in sports would receive backlash from radical leftists for speaking up? And then I mentioned the woman who just got banned today on Twitter who took fourth place in the race. Okay, she said, no, I don't think the other competitors deserve that. They have every right to voice their concerns and opinions. They've dedicated years, if not their lives, to their craft. This is all very fair conversation. I, like, we had a very good conversation about these things. She also said, I don't think Twitter or anyone else should have the ability to silence people in that way. It's gross and shitty. 100% agree. This is very fair conversation. And it takes a left turn here very quickly. Now, I said, I 100% agree. So, what is the, so that is the difficulty in this, right? The actual establishment is not allowing for the dissenting opinion and is forcing this on everyone without the ability to speak out or debate for fear of repercussions right? I.e. the women who just got banned from Twitter. Literally the woman who competed in that sport got banned for saying anything about Leah Thomas. So what is the solution to the creepy pedophile man momentarily identifying as a woman to be creepy when my daughter is in there, right? My 7, 10, 5, 14, whatever year old daughter is in there. 
And if there isn't one, is that a sacrifice you would be willing to make for your seven-year-old, 10-year-old daughter in order to appease the 0.001% of people that want to be in the opposite bathroom than their genitals say they should be in? Question mark. Okay, now this is probably where it starts to take a turn. She said, well, I don't send my children to a public restroom alone. Where I was raised, that wasn't done because child sex trafficking is a big business. Okay, well, yeah, me either, but I'm literally standing outside of the door, and I only do it if nobody's in there, all right? Um, because I'm going to beat the shit out of anybody who walks out of a bathroom with my daughter. Um, when my son gets to the age where it's appropriate for him to use the women's facilities, I'll have to adjust for that. As for cis males posing as trans women, there's no current solution to that. It's literally an ethical and quality of character issue within the individual. And that speaks to mental health crisis men are saddled with from pretty much birth. Okay. I carry personal protection. I have, okay, we'll move on from that specific. Um, <clears throat> now she says, I raise them to be aware of the dangers in human life and empower them to cultivate an internal sense of safety and security. Okay. So then I say, well, just because you are not currently in that situation does not mean that there are others who not, who are not. And even if we say 10 years old, they are subject to the possibility of being sexually assaulted without you being present with them. And yes, just like rape and murder, they are definitely moral dilemmas within the individual. But people are raped and murdered daily. So why cater to such a small portion of society and even open that door to begin with? She says the issue goes far deeper than just who can use what bathroom. If males weren't violent and dangerous and mentally unstable, the other communities would be just fine. Now, that's an interesting like generalization from that side of things is they believe that men in general are like bad people, right? If men weren't violent and dangerous and mentally unstable, like just generalize a statement about all men, <laughs> like, um, then communities would be just fine. Okay. She said, have you taken a step back and looked at the overall history of the straight male collective? When the other communities were given their autonomy back, or rather the facade of it, those communities received horrendous backlash, if you will. Hate crimes began a, became a thing, right? Because hate not, crimes were never a thing prior in the 1700s. Um, laws to protect said communities, secret organizations formed to oppose the to formed to oppose to minority liberation in all types of ways. My point is that as a male collective has lost more control over those they deemed lower status than them. They have become more and more dangerous in more ways and to more people. Really, because statistically, that's not true at all. Like, over time, we're much safer and much less violent. Like, you know, literally, the Vikings were raping and pillaging everybody. So were the Khan dynasty. So was the, like, literally, what? How can you say that we've gotten more violent? Like, that's just factually untrue. There's no, no data that would support that at all. Um, anyways, she goes on to say, that there is a, isn't a conscious effort by the individual, though. It's a human psyche thing, and we need to work hand-in-hand hand to fix it. There's too much division between people right now. Too much narcissism. The list goes on. It's fixable. But the amount to reform would cause a massive cognitive dissonance in the majority of people because change is terrifying. Which speaks to childhood trauma. It's a rabbit hole, honestly. I mean, rape, pillage, and plunder has been the Anglo-Saxon way for thousands of years. I like how she says Anglo-Saxon, like that's specific to Anglo-Saxonism. <laughs> like, um, so this is nothing new, but it needs to stop. I said, yes. So she goes on a really weird rant there about, I don't know, the male collective in history. Yes, and this is all a part of the malevolence of a certain percentage of man. Always has been, and this is what I'm saying, and always will be. In your utopian world, we would not even need laws. But that unfortunately is not, never has been, and never will be the human condition. It's like 4% of all humans, including women, are psychopaths, and that will not change. I agree. I'd love if all crimes cease to exist, but that is not, 
and never will be reality. So we have to make rules. She said a lawless society is impossible, and I'm not speaking of a utopia. Is mentally stable and emotionally healthy really that much of a pipe dream? No, the rejection of the feminine principles of every human is the issue. Wow, it's really not that hard. So I said, so your answer to, so what is the solution to the creepy pedophile man momentarily identifying as a woman to be creepy when my daughter is in there, is that we should create a society that does not reject feminine principles and that will lead to children not being sexually assaulted in bathrooms by creepy men. <laughs> okay, right? Okay. No, as I actually said, there is, a, there is no solution. Maybe, why, when, maybe when men are actually held accountable to the fullest extent of their behaviors, they might quit like children in timeout. That's what she thinks about men, like children in timeout. But talk about utopia. I said men are held accountable. That's what laws which men are disproportionately imprisoned by and for longer average sentences than women are for. Then you also have preventative measures, dot, 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 like not allowing people with penises into women's bathrooms. <laughs> like, not that crazy. Um, now she says, and this is where we really start to get to a funny place. We're not just talking, in, now we're just talking in circles. You're dedicated to your POV and that's fine. My comment was specifically about feminism, not being a vulva-bodied only empowerment, not your hard-on for trans-exclusivity. Hmm, I said, my hard on for trans exclusivity, please point to anything I said that was specifically trans exclusive. Seems like you are intellectually unequipped to answer this question. So you are turning to misandrist, which is if you didn't know, because nobody ever talks about it, the opposite of misogyny is being a misandrist. Misandrist statements about my own genitals. I am sure the same statement would not be acceptable if I said something about yours, right? For her to say that I had a hard on for something would be the equivalent of me saying something made her wet like that's that's a creepy weird statement to say to anybody and you shouldn't be talking about another person's generals regardless of what gender they are right that's creepy it's weird it's like you talking about my penis getting more blood flow over like don't talk about my penis especially if you want to be in this weird like higher moral ground surrounding genitals and your beliefs on them <laughs> all right then you know it just turns in, into silliness from there um and she goes, yep, I'm just stupid. Let's let's leave it at that. And yep, I can say whatever I want to you. And you cannot. Nana, nana, boo, boo. So sad. Tough, great. Break. I said, yes, as shown by that response, this is exactly what I respected or expected. Seems you may need to think through your positions more if those questions trigger you bad enough to resort to insults and middle school baby talk. So just a weird side note. Like, it's, it's interesting to me that, you know, you get somebody on that side who claims to be so much better than everybody else, claims to be so much more morally above you, and then they can't even have a conversation without resorting to insults about my penis. Like, how does she know I have a penis? How does she know I can get a hard on? Maybe I'm a woman today. <laughs> oh, all right. <clears throat> Back to your normal scheduled programming. <laughs> side note. The next thing we're going to look at here is Senator Ted Cruz questions the Supreme Court uh, on critical race theory. The Supreme Court nominee, Judge Katanji Brown Jackson, is questioned by Senator Ted Cruz about critical race theory. And here we go. Stunning. They include a book called Anti-Racist Baby uh, by I Ibram Kendi. And there are portions of this book... That, that, that I find really quite remarkable. One portion of the book says babies are taught to be racist or anti-racist. There is no neutrality. Another portion of the book, they recommend to babies confess 
when being racist. Now, this is a book that is taught at Georgetown Day School to students in pre-K through second grade, so four through seven years old. Um, do, do you agree with this book that is being taught with kids that, that babies are racist? Senator. I do not believe that any child should be made to feel as though they are racist or though they are not valued or though they are less than, that they are victims, that they are oppressors. I don't believe in any of that. But what I will say is that when you asked me whether or not this was taught in schools, critical race theory, my understanding is that critical race theory as an academic theory is taught in law schools. And to the extent that you were asking the question, I understood you to be addressing public schools. Georgetown Day School, just like the religious school that Justice Barrett was on the board of, is a private school. Okay, so, so you agree critical race theory is taught at Georgetown Day School? I don't know because the board is not, um, the board does not control the curriculum. The board does not focus on that. That's not what we do as board members. So I'm actually not sure. Well, and I'll know. So first thing she said there was, I don't believe that about babies, which, you know, that's a good start. Like, way to go. You actually answered a question. Proud of you. <laughs> but, you know, that doesn't, you know, solve the issue of the fact that she's on the board of the schools from the sounds of it. I didn't know that. She's on the board of the school that teaches that book. That's crazy. And then she goes on to defend it by saying that, oh, well, they're a private school. Um, so, you know, first she starts by saying that I don't agree with that. No, babies shouldn't be made to feel like they're oppressors. Um, but then goes on to defend it by saying, well, it's a private school. Okay, well, you know, good to hear that she actually doesn't believe that babies are racist because that's a great starting point. Um, and she, I'm sure she pissed off many people on the left by saying that. Uh, but also the fact that she's on the board of the, the school district or this private school that is teaching that curriculum. But now you're going to backtrack when, when you're being put into this, this Supreme Court position. Um, <clears throat> also interesting. All right. So now the next thing we're going to see on the backs of that critical race theory question is this Instagram post by not Tina Kotex, which has three different colors, two different colors of hair, one being an Eminem-esque uh, bleaching uh, midlife crisis mental health issue coloring, and one being a uh, I don't know whether I'm a Z, Zem, purple uh, color. And, you know, shout out to people with purple hair who don't have to, you know, also be going through a mental health crisis like gender dysphoria um, because that's cool too, you know, do it. That's awesome. Have your purple hair. Um, but this woman specifically, well, I don't want to assume Tina's race, <laughs> um, but she says, oops, I did it again. Damn, I'm, this is so difficult to navigate. <laughs> says, I'm thrilled to see the, progr the progress we are making in a demographic equality. All right, let's try that again. Jeez. I am thrilled to see the progress we're making in demographic equity. The first billboard just went up in Portland. Just looking forward to seeing more. Now, if you're not looking at the screen because you're not on Patreon and you don't have the Substack, you'll see that it says, stop having white kids. 
paid for by stophavingwhitekids.org. Now, this is a real billboard. Now, if you go to the website, I don't believe it works. I'm going to try it right now. Stophavingwhitebabies.org. An organization, nonetheless. That's interesting, right? Oh, man, the site cannot be reached. Interesting. So, this billboard says stop having white, li- white kids. Now, it also says... <clears throat> Well, for, well, it just says stop having white kids. And the woman who's posting this, I want you to guess her skin color, is white. Is white. She's white. There's nothing nothing to change about that. She's a white woman saying stop having white kids. Well, let me tell you, Tina, I don't know how to have anything other than white kids. <laughs> that is the problem with genetics. If I could have a severely tan child, you know, I might check that box. <laughs> you know, it's like I can't do anything other than what my genetics allow. And you're telling me I should stop reproducing if I produce children with little melanin in their skin. Hmm. Does that sound racist to you? If it doesn't, then let me point to this. If there was a billboard that said, stop having black kids, the craziest amount of PR news footage and the most unbelievable mob of people would be shaking this billboard until it fell to the ground and then trampling it. With and then lighting it on fire and then causing a riot in the streets over this. And nothing, no whispers about this even. A billboard says stop having white kids. No, no riots. And this is a very outwardly racist statement. And it would be the equivalent if it said stop having black kids. That is a racist statement. Stop reproducing people with white skin. Stop reproducing people with black skin. Like, how can you not see that as racist? What? What? And again, this is at not Tina Kotex, K-O-T-E-X, if you want to go find the tweet for yourself. Anyways, just on the backs of that weird conversation. Now, the next thing we're going to look at is Senator Cruz asking if he can identify as Asian. (laughs) A G question. So let's go ahead and listen to him talk about that. Leftist sensibilities. If if I decide right now that that I'm a woman, um, then apparently I'm a woman. Does that mean that I would have Article Three standing to challenge a gender-based restriction? Senator, to the extent that you are asking me about um, who has the ability to bring lawsuits based on gender, those kinds of issues are working their way through the courts, and I'm not able to comment on them. Okay. If, if, if I can change my gender, if I can be a woman, and then an hour later, if I decide I'm not a woman anymore, I guess I would lose Article Three standing. Tell me, does that same principle apply to other protected characteristics? For example, I'm, I'm an Hispanic man. Could, could I decide I was an Asian man? Would, would I have the ability to be an Asian man and challenge Harvard's discrimination because I made that decision? Senator, I'm not able to answer your question. You're asking me about hypotheticals and... Um, well, I'm asking you how you would assess standing if I, if I came in and said, I have decided I identify as an Asian man. I would assess standing the way I assess other legal issues, which is to listen to the arguments made by the parties 
consider the relevant precedents uh, and the constitutional principles involved and make a determination. This woman could not even comment the fact that she would not agree with Senator Cruz identifying as Asian. <laughs> what? She can't even say that. She can't even say that. No, you can't be Asian, you idiot. <laughs> what? She, she goes into the, the how I can't discuss hypotheticals. Literally, that's what law school is, is all hypotheticals. The entire process of law school, like the entire process. of, And then she goes on to explain how she makes decisions. Like, yeah, that doesn't have to do with this. Can I be Asian? <laughs> no. No is the regular answer, you weirdo. Why? Why do we have to play these games? Like, how how weird is this world? Like, oh, gosh. And if you don't know what he's specifically talking about there... It's basically the, the Harvard implementing percentage laws around the percentage of Asians that they'll bring in because they're too getting in at such higher rates than other demographics that they decided to then racially discriminate against them and decide that they're not going to allow more Asians in. And they want to look for other races because Asians are too smart. Like, okay, then let them into your smart person school. What? <sighs> this is a weird world. Anyways. We got two more left here, or one left here. And the last one is the most interesting one, where Senator Cruz goes off on the standing uh, judge that is presiding over this moment um, during the time where he is questioning Katanji Brown. And, and I heard somebody say how they, they left a comment or a review saying, how if there's one thing they don't like about the show, it's my pronunciation of names. Like, yeah, sorry. Uh, I guess I pronounce Pazaski, Pisaki, or Pazaski. I don't know. I pronounced that one wrong. I pronounced a couple names wrong. Like, yeah, sorry. <laughs> I, I don't know. Just I read words how I read them. I don't know. Sorry. If it's not Katanji, Katanji. Yeah, it's got to be Katanji, right? It's definitely Pisaki. Pisaki, that's stupid. I'm going to call you Pisaski because you don't even deserve it. Um, anyways, let's go ahead and watch this video where he's going off on the judge. So basically what he did is he went over all of her pedophile cases. And you hear her all of these videos of her defending pedophiles. The literal Supreme Court justice nominee defending pedophiles and, and giving them way, not just lesser sentences, but like way lesser sentences right? Way lesser sentences than they were supposed to be originally given. And, and her claim to it is like, oh, well, it's the internet age where you can download 60,000 things of seven-year-olds, you know, in these provocative positions, naked and, and being like, obviously, I don't even want to go into the words, right? Like, you know what I'm talking about. She's saying that basically you can download all of these things at one time. So why give you account for like, maybe because you're a weird pedophile and shouldn't be let off for, I don't know, disseminating thousands of pictures like it was 60 or 16 or 60,000 pictures of people under the age of like 12 that this person this specific case that he was talking on um and you know i can just read it from right here um the original sentence that was get like the original sentence like the offered sentence and then what she the mandatory minimum and then what she gave so there was the United States versus Cooper. The, um, the recommended was 151 to 188 months. The mandatory minimum was 60 months, and she gave what looks to be like 17 months. So a year, less than a year and a half for somebody who was supposed to get over like 10 years in prison, she gave a year and a half. 
Now, the next one was United States versus Down. Um, I can't read what the what the expected was, but the mandatory minimum was, again, 60 months. She gave them 14 months. United States versus Hawkins. The mandatory minimum expected was three months, and it looks like she gave, like, 88 days. Um, and then there was, like, some really bad cases. So he wanted to hear her reasoning as to why. And his time was up because whoever was the judge presiding over this kept interrupting him. And so he got a little agitated at the judge, rightfully, because and, and this is the part of, of Ted Cruz that I appreciate. And now I know he's not a nerd. He's awesome in the way that he approaches these legal battles, because, I mean, he's literally, a, 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 you know, gorilla in the room going after these people that, that makes them not be able to do this stupid little linguistic sorcery of dancing around everything. All right. So let's watch Ted, Ted Cruz doing that. Um, and then we'll go ahead and wrap it up here. Here it is. Senator, I've said what I'm going to say about these cases. No one case can stand in for a judge's entire record. Okay, but I'm discussing and every one I, of the cases. So I if, if you're not going to explain it. Senator, gonna... would you please let her respond? No, not if she's not going to answer well, my if question. you're just going to give a speech, then uh, and, you and, shouldn't and, engage and, in And you, you are not taking my time. If you want to filibuster, you're, you're welcome to do so, but do I it on your own I would at least time. give you an opportunity to speak, and you should give her an opportunity to respond. If she wants to answer the question, I asked her why please she Please allow sent... her to answer the I question. I asked her why she sentenced Chazen to 28 months when comparable defendants in so her own words answer. were sentenced to substantially higher and she said she's not going to answer did you ha i mean i, I would I, welcome I your I answer please. senator i didn't say i'm not going going to answer okay, well, i said my answer in this facts in this case chazen why did you sentence him to just 28 months senator you're looking at the record i don't have the record here what i will say is that in every case i looked at the recommendations of not only the government but also the probation office the defendant, the record, the evidence, I took into account the seriousness of the offense. And by, by the I way, you ruled. know, one of the striking things in Chazen, the prosecutor comes in front of you and says, this is the prosecutor's argument at this point, and the prosecutor says, I understand from my experience before your honor, your honor's objection, policy objections, to the, to the 2G 2.2 sentencing guidelines. And he goes on to say, However, in this case in particular, the four-point specific offense characteristic is justified because it contains sadomasochistic images of infants and toddlers. I'm trying to understand how you see someone that possesses images of infants and toddlers being sexually violated and you sentence them to 64% below what the prosecutor is asking for. You're, you're, you don't provide a justification other than a generic concern that the guidelines are too high. You don't provide a justification as required by statute. So I'm asking you to take the opportunity to explain to this committee and the American people why in 100% of the cases you have people with vile crimes, and, and you have language saying they're vile crimes, but then you sentence them to very, very low sentences. And, and why do you consistently, 100% of the time, choose to do that? Senator, no one case can stand in for a judge's entire sentencing record. I've sentenced more than 100 people. You have eight or nine cases. 
okay. in that chart. Okay, Judge, you said that before. The, these are the eight or nine child porn cases. I will say to correct the record. I, I was just say about to the judge, there's no point in responding. He's going to interrupt you. I, Thank you. Now, that begins to get much more heated. I thought that would be the entirety of the video on that, but that got much more heated between Senator Cruz and uh, who was presiding over that. Um, let me see if I can get the <clears throat> end of this for us uh, and see if we can find out what the true uh, heated moment of that ended up being because they went back and forth and back and forth and they started into what seemed a bit like a... Uh, uh, almost a... Uh, I don't know, quite the heated argument. Um, and if you, you know what, I'll, what I'll go ahead and do, I'll include it because I don't want to sit here and take up your time, but I'll include that again in the Substack. So um, go ahead and now, thank you guys so much for listening. Let's go ahead and head over to the Substack.com, redpillrevolution.substack.com. You'll see the full entire, uh, every video that we just discussed, every video. You know, you'll see the article from Rebel News. You'll have all the videos that I just discussed, so you can go watch them in full yourself. I'll also include the entire uh, days of the hearing, so you can listen to those on there. And the next thing you need to do is go ahead to Patreon, patreon.com slash redpillrevolution. Um, actually, patreon.com slash redpillrevolt, sorry, uh, redpillrevolt. So patreon.com slash redpillrevolt. Substack is redpillrevolution.substack.com. Um, now, Patreon, $5. What you get is the full entire video episode every single week. Um, you also get an entire bonus uh, video regarding some conversations that we have here, um, and then without, which I'll be kind of discussing and posting about, which will be a, a little bit of a discussion later on this week that I'll be posting on there. Um, but you'll get all of that and more. You'll also get access to the Discord server. Um, so go ahead, $5 a month, and you are supporting me. I appreciate it so much. You're in the community. Um, go ahead and do it. Patreon.com slash Red Pill Revolt. Um, and go ahead and sign up for that. If you do the $15 a month, once we get a, a good amount of people on that tier, and I don't mean a good amount like a ton, just a few of you on there that's worth having the conversation live for, we will be doing an additional episode live every single week um, discussing all user-generated topics. So you guys will send your topics to me through that Discord um, and on Instagram. And then I'll go live on Instagram, talk about what the topics are going to be, and then we'll change it over to Patreon and talk about those topics specifically right on that live. Um, now, the next thing you can do is go to givesendgo.com slash redpillrevolution to make a donation. I would appreciate it so much. I work really hard on this stuff. Um, I, I do tons and tons of hours of video editing. Um, I sit down and shoot this video. I edit everything. My, I do all of it. I do every single bit of it myself. So um, I would really appreciate it if you could support the show. Um, givesendgo.com slash redpillrevolution. Um, and lastly, if you haven't yet, go ahead and press that subscribe button. Go ahead and press it. Um, and then leave a five-star review. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you are, leave a five-star review. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate you so much. I hope you have a wonderful week. And we will talk again next week. Thank you so much. Welcome to the revolution.